Hello and welcome to Bellhaven Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Weber. On today's episode, you'll be listening to PSY 342, Psychology of the Exceptional Child. I hope you listen and enjoy. This is class two and this is session four. Um, we're going to finish up looking at the impact on a family of a child with a disability and then we're going to move into the intellectual disabilities. All right, we were talking about reactions of siblings. Um, there's a lot of research on the reaction of parents when it comes to having a child with a disability, but there's a lot less information when it comes to our sibling reactions. All right, um, it really has a lot to do with the makeup of the children, and that's why this is so difficult to really give you a, a set um, result that'll happen. Um, you know, obviously it depends on the age of the child. You know, older children may understand this better than a younger child. Um, and so they'll take it a little bit better sometimes. Um, there's a difference sometimes based on the gender. Now, this is the gender of the sibling and the gender of the child who has a disability. All right? If you have two children of the same gender, they may be very, very close um, and this may have a different impact than if they were of different genders. That isn't always the case, but that can happen. Birth order is going to matter as to whether you are older than the child who has the disability or you are younger than the child with the disability. All right, most of the time, though, there's usually some difficulty level in adjustment to um, the concept of a child with a disability. It's, it's just not something families plan for. Nobody really goes into having a baby with, oh, I hope there's a problem or I think there'll be a problem. And when there is, there's a little bit of surprise to that, and we have to make adjustments that we might not have planned to make. As I mentioned, sometimes there's resentment over the fact that this, this child's getting more attention or we're putting more financial resources um, against the needs of this child and um, maybe that we can't do something because of this child. And so we oftentimes do see that resentment. We see some jealousy um, over the fact that, again, we're not getting a lot of the attention. And some sibling rivalry is just normal anyway. This is just kind of magnified. However, you'll find that many of the siblings, and actually a majority, are quite protective of the sibling with the disability. This is kind of like we oftentimes are with our siblings. You know, it's totally okay for me to say something bad about them, but I'm not letting anybody else do it. Um, and so you'll see that, you know, I'm fine being resentful of them, but if anybody else says anything, I'm protecting them. Um, and so we will see that, and many times even into adulthood, we will find that the siblings are very protective and oftentimes will bring um, that sibling to live with them once the parents die and can't take care of them anymore. All right, we're moving next into the chapter uh, where we're looking at learners who have intellectual disabilities, which we will be referring to as ID. Um, we used to call this mental retardation, and that was the term that we had for many, many years. Um, it was chosen because the word retard means slow down, and we were trying to say that this was an individual whose child was slower 
than that of a typical child. Um, but the word retarded began to take on some sort of pejorative connotations, as you may have heard. And um, so in 2010, in October, President Obama signed Rosa's Law uh, into law, and that changed our terminology to intellectual disability. Um, the term has been changed. However, the definition didn't change. And so the definition of intellectual disability is the same as we have used in the past for mental retardation. What this is telling us, there's actually three parts to this definition. One is that there is significantly sub-average general intellectual functioning. So when we're talking about, I think I have this broken down later, but we're talking about overall ability to think things through. We are below average here in a significant factor. You know that that piece exists at the same time or concurrently with deficits in adaptive behavior. And these are the way that we function in our day-to-day -day life. And that's the second part. The third part is that it's manifested during the developmental period. And that usually means up until 18 years of age. And you're going to see this phrase coming up a lot that adversely affects a child's educational performance. Most of the um, exceptionalities that are written into an idea will have that phrase in them because if a child's education isn't being impacted, um, they don't need a special ed ruling. And so they would not receive an exceptionality ruling at all unless the education is suffering. All right, we will also see the term developmental disability, and um, frequently we're still talking about an intellectual disability where we have someone who has not developed at the same pace as the typical child will when it comes to cognitive ability. Um, when we use developmental disability, it is a, a much more broad term, and you'll note that there's some other things that get included into this that may have... Um, intellectual disabilities along with it. Um, autism spectrum disorder, there may not be intellectual disabilities, but there may be. So again, that would be a possibility. Um, epilepsy, cerebral palsy, um, any developmental delay that we talked about last time, fetal alcohol syndrome, which is now FASD. Um, any disorder that occurs during that developmental period, which is birth to age 18, that includes some cognitive disability. All right, so when we look at the differences in terms of intellectual disability and developmental disability, the big ones are the age of onset, when did this start, how severe are our limitations, um, and whether you have a low um, IQ, we'll talk about IQ a little bit more, that's your intelligence quotient. And most of the times with intellectual disability, what you're going to find is that those individuals will also meet the definition of developmental disability most of the time. Some of them will. All right, but about half of them don't. Um, they're going to be seen in a different way. All right, so let's look at some early signs that we would be looking for um, with ID. Um, usually, if it's very, very severe um, intellectual disability, it's going to occur early on, and in infancy, you're going to see those signs. 
Um, if it is a more mild form of an intellectual disability, those children don't look any different from a typical child and frequently don't act any different from a typical child. And it isn't until we try to teach them something that they have to learn um, that we will actually notice that there's a problem. So they'd be school age before that would actually happen. All right, so when we look at these children, note that some of the kids, particularly those with a more um, severe intellectual disability may have developmental milestones that are later than those of other children. Um, so those developmental milestones do matter. Most kids sit up around six months. Um, they're going to crawl somewhere around eight or nine months. And walking is considered average at about 12 to 14 months. We usually give a little bit of a range, like the 12 to 14 months, because typical children, again, they aren't all the same. But if a child isn't able to sit up and they're a year old, um, then we might be getting concerned that there could be a problem. And it may not necessarily be intellectual. It could be physical. So we would begin to kind of be working with that child if there were some developmental milestones that were running quite late. Um, we may see that there's difficulty with their speak. Um, speeching and their uh, ability to talk and so a child should be babbling uh, making sounds we'll be talking about that more later at least five seven months or so and then words usually come into play around a year um, we'll see that these children oftentimes find it very difficult to remember things that um, we would see other children picking up quite quickly and when we get older um, and we're trying to deal with some adaptive skills, like how to pay, they may not know what money's for, how to handle money, and they might be, you know, say 15 years old or so. Um, other early signs um, would be that they would have difficulty understanding our social rules. And, I mean, this is actually quite common of most of our preschoolers. Um, so when we're talking early signs here, we're talking more about four or five years of age for this, when we're teaching them what is an acceptable behavior in public. Um, many of these children, and again, your children under three, are all going to have this problem, but once we get a little bit older, we start trying to teach the consequences of your actions so that they learn um, what do you think happens when you do this and they realize it. Children who are um, dealing with intellectual disabilities don't get that very well. Um, problem solving is very difficult for these individuals. Um, also, thinking logically is very difficult for these individuals. And if we have real severe uh, problems here, there oftentimes are other issues that come into play, such as seizures, um, various other mental disorders, handicaps in our physical skills, and that vision and hearing problems. Those are going to be what we'll cover under multiple disabilities. Um, the definition uh, that we're using is coming from the American Association on Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities. It's AAIDD. Um, and these are those three parts that we looked at. We have uh, limitations intellectually. Um, we have in problems with adaptive behavior. And note that this is going to occur before the age of 18. Intellectual functioning is what we call intelligence, and it usually means our general um, capacity for mental events, and there's are listed there, learning, reasoning, problem solving, and so forth. 
Um, we generally use an uh, IQ test and uh, measures an intellect, uh, intelligence quotient um, as a way of gathering uh, data about our intellectual functioning. And average, I'll have that in a minute, but average is about 100. So if you're at a 70 or lower, we're usually concerned about your intellectual functioning. And these are some of the real common IQ tasks. We have the Weschler series. Um, now in the fifth edition, that's the WISC, Weschler Intelligent Test for Children. Um, there's also a preschool form and an adult form. The Stanford Binet is a very popular test. And then there's a Kaufman assessment battery that's used quite often. Um, when it comes to adaptive behavior, I'm talking about skill sets um, that most people pick up very incidentally just by watching other people. Um, now these are conceptual skills, social skills, practical skills. For young children, this might be learning um, how to get dressed and you know one day you'll see this little foot pop up when you pick up the shoe and they know that you're about to put it on their foot and they're beginning to realize you know what do we need to do to get dressed and so it will move from that into you know feeding ourselves and being able to make up our bed and other types of skill sets that we would need eventually telling time paying money um, this conceptual skills are things like language um, being able to understand time and numbers and direct ourselves into various activities the different social skills that we would pick up oftentimes have to do with our interpersonal skills of getting along with others. Um, being able to be responsible socially, hold a job, um, follow the rules of citizenship. You'll note that there are some concerns that we see with gullibility and naivete where we're dealing with individuals who might be limited um, in their intellectual capacity. They may be easily taken advantage of. And they may uh, not know how to keep themselves from following rules or being victimized. So those are things we normally would hope to pick up. The practical skills, as I mentioned, are things like being able to take care of ourselves, um, you know, uh, call someone on the phone, hold a job. Um, we can give standardized tests to measure our adaptive behavior and determine if there are any kinds of limitations there. And one of the things we're really going to look at is when did we begin to see these cognitive impairments and these problems with adaptive skills was this at birth or was this something that came on later? Um, and obviously, um, the developmental period is that concept of having um, become operational before the age of 18. Usually by the time they're 18, the school is not very interested in any issues anymore. You're usually about to leave. Um, and so we wouldn't diagnose someone then if there were, say, a car wreck um, and they had injuries. We wouldn't call that um, intellectual disabilities at that point. Um, and many of these individuals, once they do get out of school, just sort of merge back into society and really no one actually would know that there was a problem.